Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Want to invite those that are hanging out in the lobby, come on in, find a seat. We want to jo- begin our celebration, and I want to thank you for choosing to join us today for worship. I do hope that you have come ready to connect and commune with the Lord today. It's certainly our goal, our heart's desire that you're able to accomplish that. Um, It's Memorial Day weekend. It's kind of the official start of the summer. Anybody glad to be out of school? Those that were in school are glad to be out of school. Yes. Those of us that aren't in school, uh, it's another day. It's another weekend. But you know what? Uh, We want to honor those that have served in the military So if you are currently serving or have served in the military, would you stand now so we could just say thank you for what you have done for us. And Paul, there he is, Paul. Thank you. Uh, We enjoy freedom We worship in freedom today because of the sacrifices of many, many who have laid their lives on the line for the freedoms of America. So, again, we thank you today, and we reflect upon those that uh, have lost their lives in combat. And and we need to also remember those who are currently serving, who who are out there on the front lines for us right now. So I hope that you will take time throughout this weekend. Um, to do so, especially in your prayer times. Um, I do hope you have received one of these on your way in. Please do look through that. There should be very helpful information in there and maybe some places where you could find a way to plug in to other things that are happening here at Woodland Life Center. Uh, We're we're at camp season. Um, I know that this coming weekend, Golden Bell's got their first camp coming in. If you haven't decided upon what what you're doing for camp, um, now's the time to do that. I just need to let you know that the day camp that is happening in Woodland Park is is two weeks away. So if you've been thinking about getting your child signed up for that day camp, um, you really need to do so ASAP. Don't, Don't wait too much longer as we're trying to finalize all the numbers for that. Several churches coming together to um, sponsor that day camp. It's our first time trying it, so uh, we're really hoping to get a great launch on that. And then also, um, we have all of our Golden Bell camps that are being offered. You can go to the Golden Bell website and uh, find all the different camp options that are happening throughout the summer. And then our all-church camp out at Cotopaxi, Colorado, that's just down there off of of Highway 50, Um, just a few days for... All of us to kind of unplug. We unplug together, though. Go hang out at the Cotopaxi KOA. Lots of cool stuff that they have there. Come together for worship a couple of times. I think we even have yoga that's being offered there that morning. So uh, pick up your mat and walk. Uh, it's kind of what we're doing, right? Uh, yes. Um, so lots of cool things happening this summer. I, I know that you've probably been making your plans but we're kind of in full swing of it, so uh, check into those things. I want to invite us to stand together.
Greet a few folks around you. Shake a few hands. Maybe get to know a name. Let's welcome each other into worship. today. It's good news. Hey, let's, um, let's try to do this on purpose this morning. Um, we are Americans. We like to watch. We like to listen. And then we like to critique. That's what I do. So let's try to just participate in our own way at our own speed this morning. Father, we, we choose right now to be present right now in this place. We choose to open up ourselves, our minds, our eyes, our ears, our hands, our future. And we desire that you be lifted up. We want to fix our eyes on you today not on the drums and some pretty singing. We want to focus, Father, on you. Will you please speak? Will you speak? Will you give us the hope and the peace? Will remind us today what's true? you just take 15 seconds right now to tell him why you came today. Father, we want to worship you now. Together, we all said...
this is our prayer. This is our hope. We remind us again today that we need to slow down, that we need to stop, that we need to turn off whatever device. We need to rest because you are speaking around us, in us, through us, to us. Father, will you give us the discipline to stop, to listen, to turn off the radio, to turn off the podcast, to shut up, to listen. Thank you that you are a God that speaks. Thank you. Please. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace.
be seated. Brian mentioned earlier, obviously it's Memorial Day, remembering our military, those who died, those who served for our freedom. I want to just uh, maybe propose that we broaden it a little bit today. I know for some today this is the time to visit a grave site, maybe take some flowers. I want to keep broadening it. First Corinthians. In First Corinthians. The message translation. Well, this is the NIV. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I praise you for remembering me. And everything for holding on to the traditions I have passed on to you. I praise you for remembering me. And I want to suggest this morning that God wants us to remember. It's, it's clearly easy to forget. Forget what he's done. Forget how he carried you through. Forget how he clearly showed up. Sometimes we forget how he clearly spoke to us. How he clearly told us, I want you to do this. And three years later, you're like, I forgot. I'm not feeling it anymore. So I, I want to propose this morning that we take Memorial Day in church this morning to remember someone or something that God has clearly done in your past. A person he's brought into your life. An event. Maybe it was a completely devastating thing. Let's take time to remember. It is good to remember. So can you take one thing and will you talk to your Heavenly Father? Will you thank Him for the hard times of that person? good to remember.
remembering helps you today get through the present, get through the valley, get through the darkness. Remember. Tell him what you're thinking right now. What's on your heart.
I speak over right now the person, the family that feels completely abandoned. Father, the person standing here this morning that feels in complete darkness, I ask for your light to break and to speak and to give hope and to give peace. Jesus, there are people broken before you today all over this community. Father, remind us of what is true, not what we feel, but what is true, that you are with us and that you are good. We declare again that we just, we need you, that you are God, that we are not. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, you're my righteousness. Oh, God. 
of all this, Lord Jesus, we, we honor you. We have stood before you today in praise and adoration. We have declared our need for you, your presence in our lives, not just, not just here today, but in our everyday walking around lives. We declare our need for you. It's a reflective day. A day where we reflect on lost loved ones. A day where we have been called to reflect upon critical times in our journeys where you have intersected, where you have been there, where you have given a promise, where you have spoken a word, where you have brought someone into our lives that has been, whether good or bad, your, uh, your worker. And, and it, even, because even in the midst of some of the hardest times, Testimony after testimony after testimony in this place could be offered about your presence. Just like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in the fire, you were right there with them. They were not alone. So we honor you today. Remembering what you have done, reflecting upon your character, your nature, the intense love and grace and mercy that flows from you to us and even through us to one another. We worship you in spirit and in truth today. We are your people called by your name. This is your place. 
we make the choice right now to park ourselves at your feet, dig into your word, open up our ears, our hearts, and our minds to whatever it is that you have to say to us today. Thank you for pouring yourself into us. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody say. You may be seated, and as you're doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join us up front. Jesus, you are our provider. We thank you for the provision that has come. We are in awe of that. And we thank you in advance for the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it. Bless it. Multiply it. Accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church. With it we pray in Christ's name. invite you to Genesis chapter 22. Book of Genesis, the first one in the Bible, chapter 22, right at verse 1. Abraham and Sarah had waited 
years and years and years and years to have a son. Isaac is finally born to them when they're nearly 100 years old. And then we, we pick up the story. And, and, he, and we have to remember, Isaac was promised. It, Isaac was a fulfillment of a promise that God had given Abraham and Sarah. And we pick up the story right here where it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. God said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he, and he says to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now this, you could blow right past that phrase and miss a profound statement of faith. God had just told Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. Yet Abraham says to his servants, stay here. The boy and I, we're going to go over there and worship, and then we will come back to you. What a profound statement of faith. Abraham doesn't know the end of the story like we do. But there's something fundamental inside of him that, that clings to Belief in what God has to say, what God's promises are. We'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac notices something. So he speaks up, Father, yes, my son. I, I see we've got the fire and, and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, it's you, son. He doesn't say that. Another profound statement of faith. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there. And arrange the wood on it. Then he takes Isaac, binds him up, lays him on the altar on top of the wood. He reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I... Know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looks up, and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, 
it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, because you have stepped out in faith, because you have had this kind of reckless faith, this kind of reckless abandon to, to heed my word like this, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. There is our landing spot today. These declarations that the angel of the Lord, maybe it was Jesus' voice, a, 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 a Jesus speaking himself. We don't really know. But this promise comes directly from the Lord. Because you have stepped out, because you have been a person full of faith in me, in God, I'm going to bless you in amazing ways. Your descendants will be like the stars in the sky, like the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gates of the enemy. Now, there's some things about these promises that we may have a hard time connecting with. First of all, most of us are, are, are pretty... We're pretty centric in, in the way that we view our lives. We don't think beyond, very far beyond ourselves, maybe our, our first or second generation. We have some grandparents in here, some great-grandparents in here that, that maybe think to, to the third generation. But for the most part, we don't think very far beyond ourselves. So a promise to us from God saying, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore, doesn't really communicate very much to me. In fact, it, it would scare me to have that, to think about that many, that huge of a responsibility would be very overwhelming. So it's kind of hard for us to connect, I think. I'm, I'm just going to speak for you here, because it's hard for me to connect with, with that huge of a picture. But to them, this was a massive promise. It was kind of a, a, a royal promise. It would be the kind of promise that would be offered to a king, right? Your, your, your descendants will, will reign forever. That's, that's the kind of promise that you hear given to, like, David, King David. It might even be offered up to royalty today. We had a royal wedding a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you watch it or not, but there's, you know, so many generations that this one single family can look all the way back into the hundreds of years, right? That's, it's, it's a royal kind of a concept, and this is given to Abraham. Your descendants are going to be so numerous, they're, they're, it's going to be impossible to count them. Go ahead and try to count the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. It's going to be that huge. 
the other thing that might be kind of hard for us to connect with is the, the concept of your descendants will, will possess the gates of the enemy. Now, I don't know if you have a gate. I don't even have a gate on our property. But if you have a gate on your property, it, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you. It's probably not accomplishing huge purposes for you. It might offer a little privacy if it's a, if it's a privacy fence with a gate. It might offer a little protection to keep your dog from running out of the yard or keep other animals, some of them, from coming into the yard. I mean, that, that might be the extent of the purpose of your gate. But you don't think very much about your gate, I'm sure. And I know that our city does not have a gate. So what in the world is being talked about here? I mean, because if that promise were given to us, we would be like, wow, that doesn't mean anything to me to go possess the gate of my enemy. This is a huge concept for them. Cities would be fortified. They would have walls around them. And the, the, the main penetration point of these walls would be the gates that would be purposefully put in place. And there wouldn't be many of them. In fact, the less gates that you had, the more fortified you would feel. The thicker the walls, the taller the walls, and the less penetration points, the, the less amount of gates you have, the, the safer you're going to feel inside of those walls. So certainly, the gates of the city would, would immediately connect with overcoming, taking over a city, overrunning a city. If you possess the gates of your enemy, you pretty much own that town. That town belongs to you now. But the, but the gates of the city were not just a place for protection. In fact, there was a whole lot more going on there. Because those penetration points were so significant, this is where the traffic would come and go. They would pass through these gates. So because there was a lot of traffic through there, this is where merchants would end up selling their wares. Trades would happen. Deals would take place. It ended up that the elders of the city would end up sitting out by the, the gates. So the elders of the city would be hanging out there. This is where civil cases would take place. Decisions would be made. Land deals, land swaps. There would be all kinds of things that would be happening. In fact, so what we're saying is the, the gates of the city was, was this, this main intersection where, where crucial things about life would happen. That would happen during the day, and there would be protection at night. So when this promise comes to Abraham, your descendants will possess the gates of your enemies. There's this profound idea that God is going to go before Abraham and his descendants. And his territory is going to expand, not just the family, but the territory. This promise was reiterated, by the way, to Rebecca, Isaac's 
wife just a couple of chapters later. Now, we're told something. I believe it's Romans chapter 6 tells us that because Abraham is the father of faith, those of us who have believed on Jesus are grafted into this descendancy. In other words, this promise or these promises that were handed down to Abraham are ours to take hold of. If you have believed in Jesus as Messiah, you are a descendant of Abraham. Now, those of us that grew up in children's church, used to sing a song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had... Okay, yeah. You sang it as a kid, so now... All right, that's good. That song will go on forever, so I'm just going to cut that one off. Listen, you sang this as a kid, so let's believe it as adults. Okay? Romans chapter 6 is telling us that, that, that this is our inheritance. This, 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 we, we, can, we, we bought into this whole thing. We are Abraham's descendants. So therefore, your descendants will be as expansive as the stars in the sky, the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gates of the enemy. We can possess the gates of our enemy. Perhaps right now in this moment, you're thinking of a person. Someone who has wronged you. Um, someone who has robbed you. Someone who has you know, whatever, done whatever against you. Perhaps a Another human being is, is coming into your mind right now, and you're thinking, how do I possess the gates of that person? But Ephesians 5 and 6 gives us a different picture. Paul tells us, we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So humans... I want us to step back from the notion that another human is our enemy. And I want us to take on a bigger picture, a bigger understanding that there are, there are things at work behind these other human beings. It, it, it doesn't mean that, that, we, that we excuse away the wrongs that people have done to us. I, I'm not suggesting that. But that instead we would take on a viewpoint of seeing who our real enemy is. The one that is working behind those that offend us. The one that is working behind the scenes of those that have wronged us, that have robbed us, that have done things against us. That we observe and buy into the notion that there are principalities at work. That, that there's a spiritual enemy that is continuing to fight against us. And his purposes are simple. He's going to rob, kill, and destroy you and me. Those of us that have believed on the name of Jesus. So 
So now we've identified who our enemy is. Jesus said something interesting about himself. I believe it's John chapter 10 where he makes a declaration about himself. He says, I am the gate. Jesus said, I am the gate. And my sheep pass through me. They go out to pasture through me. And they come back in for protection through me. He is our gate. So when we, so there, there's, there's two ways to look at this, or, or, or two different directions. One is defensive, and one is offensive here. If Jesus is our gate, he is our defense. He is our first line of defense. He is our gate. He is our protection when When we go out to pasture us sheep, we do so in his name. We do so through him. And when it comes time for us needing to have protection, it is him that is accomplishing that. Those of us that have believed in Jesus, who cling to faith, who who follow in this descendancy of Abraham, that by faith we are saved. Through faith we are saved. If, If you are inside of that equation, Jesus is your gate. When you're feeling under attack, call in the name of Jesus. When you're being barraged by the enemy, call in the name of Jesus. When you're hungry and thirsty, spiritually, call in the name of Jesus. That's a defensive position, but then there's this offensive position because what is said to Abraham has nothing to do with defense, it's offense. Your descendants will possess the gates of your enemies. Jesus said something to Peter. John chapter 10, I believe. Jesus was asking the disciples, who who do people say I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, you know, prophet, John the Baptist. Okay, well, who do you say I am? And Peter steps out there and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that is phenomenal, Peter. The only way that you could have known that and understood that is if you have received that information from the Father himself. And, and you are Peter. And on this rock, I will... Build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Even Jesus brings in the concept of the gate into this, the gate of the enemy. I'm going to build my church upon this statement. Those that have declared for themselves that Jesus is Messiah, those that have bought into the notion that Jesus is Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, will be considered the church. And Jesus is going to build this thing called the church. He's our gate. And there's going to be such power inside of this entity that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. 
In other words, those of us that have believed, us descendants of Abraham, will fulfill this phenomenal promise from centuries and centuries and centuries ago. We will possess the gate of our enemies, for his gate will not prevail against us. Church, we have been given a phenomenal promise, and now we have been given a phenomenal amount of power to fulfill that promise. We understand who our enemy is. How do we take possession of his gate? When we pray, how do we pray? When you pray, how do you pray? Probably. This comes with a lot of assumptions. But if I'm wrong, I apologize. Most likely, when we pray, it's very self-centered. Jesus, be with me today. Be with my kids today. You know, we, we're very defensive in our approach. We're coming to Jesus as our gate. And we're asking him to protect us and, and our flock, our, our sheep. We're, most of the time, our prayers, I'm assuming, take more of a defensive posture. That's okay. But I want you to know that when, if, if that's all we do, if that's the only posture, if that's the only position that we take in our prayer life, we're missing out on a lot of the power that's been given us to advance the kingdom to advance into the enemy's territory and take back what he has robbed what he has stolen what he has taken charge of so think about for a moment the enemy that first came into your mind uh, whatever person that has wronged you has offended you has done something against you do you pray for them? Because Je here's what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because see, if you only love those that love you, you're really no different than the rest of the world. If you only love those that are like you, if you only love those that love you back, you're no different than the pagans, the unbelievers. If you're going to function differently, if you're going to truly function inside of my power, Jesus says, then you will love your enemies and you will pray for those who persecute you. So, how do you pray for that human being that has wronged you? Jesus, smite them. Take them out. And give me all their money. No, we don't pray that way. I hope you don't pray that way. Love your enemies. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, 
not a bumper sticker I want to have in my car. And it's really not a fun verse to look at and to think about. And it's certainly not easy to walk, walk that one out. I've got somebody in my mind right now. So I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for them in front of you. And let's just see what this sounds like. Jesus, this person that is in my mind, who I won't name, uh, you know what they have said to me you know what they have done. So I don't need to inform you of that. And really, I don't need to inform you of anything. You know all things. But I come to you on their behalf because I want them to know you like I know you. I want them to experience your unconditional love. I want them to feel your presence right now. I want them to feel and experience your forgiveness. In fact, I'm asking in this moment that you would help them to feel and experience my forgiveness of them. Maybe you want restoration and reconciliation. Maybe that's a part of the equation. That's a part of your heart's desire. Maybe it's not. But what I do want is for them to spend eternity with you, regardless of what they have done to me. And whatever lies that the enemy has told them, whatever lies that they've bought into or believed about me or about you, replace that in their heart and their mind right now with your truth. Whatever has blocked their vision of the truth, I pray that you will remove those scales from their eyes so that they will see things the way you see them. Not even necessarily the way I see them, the way you see them. Church, that is possessing the gates of your enemies. It's where you intersect your enemy's reality with the truth of God's word. I'm not necessarily asking for reconciliation with this person. Maybe it'll happen, maybe not. But I want them to know God as I know God. I can pray for that. I can pray for God's phenomenal work to be accomplished in their life like it's being accomplished in mine. And Scripture tells us the, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. They come with lots of power. This is 
the power that we hold, church. I'm asking us to consider beginning to take and hold on to and possess the gates of the enemy. About a month ago, we sat in this room with a lady by the name of Yolandi Corbin, who was held in captivity by Al-Qaeda for a year. She was released. Her husband was continued to be detained by Al-Qaeda and ultimately was gunned down by Al-Qaeda, never made it out of captivity. She stood right here and talked very poignantly to us about the importance of forgiving our enemies. And it was profound. And if you missed that, you can pull it up on the podcast. I would strongly urge you to listen to her testimony and her words. But here's the thing. She came up to me afterwards. She pulled me aside. She said, Pastor Brian, I I have one more thing I want you to do. I have a homework assignment for you and your church. Okay? I want you to pick one terrorist out and begin to pray for them by name. What? She said, we've got to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. I'm asking your church to pick one and begin to pray for him by name. So through prayer, here's who we have. Laban Haji Mohammed. Believe it or not, he's a naturalized U.S. citizen. About five years ago, he escaped from U.S. because we put him out on the FBI's most wanted list, and he was sharing information with uh, the terrorist group um, Al-Shabaab, I believe, out of the eastern parts of Africa. It's believed that when he escaped out of the country, uh, that he went and joined Al-Shabaab, and has been functioning with them for the last five years or so. That's about all we know. He's, he's in hiding. If you Google his name, you're going to see a few articles that show that he's been captured, but I don't think that's true. I think that's probably the terrorist group trying to throw shade at us and trying to convince us that he's been captured, but either way. We're going to pray for this young man by name that we don't know We'll probably never meet. We'll probably never see face to face on this side of life. But who is a human being who has been created in the image of the Almighty and who has been horribly, horribly deceived by the enemy. The enemy has come 
and have possessed his gates. And it's well fortified now. The longer that he stays with this terrorist organization, the more fortified those walls become. But what if we began to advance on that gate? What if we began to pray for Levon by name? That the power of Jesus would come and would begin to remove the scales from his eyes. That maybe Jesus would bring somebody in his area alongside of him who knows Jesus. Who can be a light in the darkness there. Yeah, I know what's I, I I know that what we're used to is really fast results. I know that. We order our food at the at at the sign and ten feet away the food is delivered to us. We're we're a fast food mentality kind of and, and we tend to pray that way. So the, 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 the idea of praying through something really hard, some of us maybe have never practiced that. They say it takes, on average, about seven years to undo the mindset of a Muslim so that they can buy into the mindset of Christianity. Maybe somebody's already been praying for Levon. We don't know where he's at in his journey. We don't know anything about him. But what if we began to advance to the gates of Levon? Haji Mohammed. What might happen? So I'm asking us to do that. I don't know how long we're going to do this. I have a couple of thoughts. One thought is that maybe we'll pray for him for the month of June. And then in the month of July, maybe we'll have another terrorist that we begin to pray for by name. I don't want to commit to either idea right now. I just know this is what we're supposed to do right now. So if you want to write his name down, um, take a picture of this. I've seen some that have done that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone. And I want you to open up your calendar to tomorrow. And I want you to pick a time. Because I don't want us to hear this and then walk away and forget. So I'm asking that that you will will put something down in your calendar. Whether it's the morning, noon, or night. Pick a time slot that you're going to pray for Levon tomorrow. And let's just begin to put this into practice. It was promised. Your descendants will possess the gates of your enemies. It's not just a promise. It can be a fulfilled promise because we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and we know that Jesus is our gate, functioning as our gate. He is our defender. He is our protector. But he is the one that has already accomplished all the work necessary to redeem Levon Haji Mohammed. 
just as we have been redeemed. We may or may not ever know the results of our prayers. But we do so by faith. Just like Abraham when he said to his servant, we're going to be back. We're going to go worship and we will be back. He had no idea what the end of the story was going to be like. He had no idea how God was going to fulfill his promise of Isaac being the promised son. He just knew that he and Isaac were coming back one way or the other. We don't know what the end of this story will be, but we can pray by faith. So with your heads bowed, I'm going to pray out loud. I want to invite you to pray out loud at the same time. Pray as you feel led as we just begin to intercede for this young man. God, you created him. You formed him in his mother's womb. We have to believe that you had a plan for his life, and clearly he's not walking out your plan, which means that the enemy has come and has has robbed you and your kingdom of, of, of this young man's work. The enemy is possessing his gates. And so in the name of Jesus, we begin to pray for Laban Haji Muhammad right now. That wherever he is on this planet, in or out of captivity, regardless of, of, of what the truth is about his life circumstances right now, we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you will move on his life, that you will move in on his surroundings, that in the name of Jesus, you will begin to unwind, untwist his twisted thinking. I'm asking, we're asking that you will bring somebody into his circle that has your light in them. That you will remove the blinders that has been put on his eyes. Remove them so that he can see you. Maybe for the first time ever in his whole life. Whatever lies, and I'm sure that there are untold amounts of lies, that one by one, Jesus, you will begin to replace those lies with your truth. That he will see you, that he will see the church through truth, that he will see the enemy of his soul through the truth. We're asking Jesus that you would win him into your kingdom, save him, help him come to a place where he would believe in you for salvation. Jesus' name.
Scripture tells us that the prayers of the righteous have much power. It is important. It comes right back to the heart of our message. We must be living holy lives. We we need to have our lives the way they need to be so that when we advance to the enemy's gates, he has no weapons that can be used against us. I have seen pastors and churches run recklessly into the enemy's camp only to be cut down because their lifestyle did not match up. So I'm just encouraging us, don't don't do this recklessly. And I'm not just throwing this out there recklessly. I believe that the Holy Spirit has moved on us to do this. And he is our gate. But it does implore us to pay attention to who we are, what our lifestyles are, what they look like. So if you've got to take some time before you go into real battle here to get stuff in order, do so. And then let's advance to to the enemy's gate. blessing over you, but here's who I want to say. I, I want our I want our military men and women. Again, if you have served in the military or are serving now, I want you to be the ones to stand. We we thanked you earlier. It's okay for us to thank you twice. If you if this is you, please do so. Please stand. But again, we want to thank you for your service. I'm going to purpose to say the blessing over them. And they represent all of our military, those that are serving overseas right now. I'm just saying the blessing over them all. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and his empowerment. Walk the blessed life. You are dismissed.